0: Welcome to the Portland Christian Sphere Podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Nate Linson on Living Love. Now here is Pastor Nate. <laughs> yes, moving forward together. Give it up for Pastor Paul and Heather. Man, so good to see you. Who's got a card? Wave your card at me. Make sure you got it. Let's wave it. Now we're feeling really Pentecostal. Come on. Gotta wave it and all we need is a good amen. Oh, there we go. We're in the right place. Very good. Hey, before I get started, I do want to make sure, moving forward, it's going to be a a powerful series that we're starting. There is no neutral with God. Faith forward together. And it's going to be an exciting series, so make sure you invite somebody. It is going to be great, and the ice cream will be delicious, delicious. By the way, Oregon does have the best ice cream in the world. Can I get a witness on that one? I mean, salt and straw, I, I've got to watch out. It's just dangerous. It's amazing. Uh, before I get too much further, I, I want to just take a moment and give you a chance um, today. We have some very special people today. This is um, the commissioning service, and it's something that this church has been praying for for 14 months And I want to give you a chance to honor some very special people. So Pastor Bill and and Joy, would you stand? Let's honor them real quick. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. You're going to get your workout in. Pastor Ray and Linda are in the house. Yes! So good. We love you guys. We honor you. Um, We've had dinner with both families already uh, these last couple weeks, and Portland Christian Center is blessed. 35 years and three pastors. Um, And and by the way, I I just started, so (laughs) you can do the math. Who's done most of that? Um, So thank you, we love you, and we're gonna have a special part of the service at the very end for the commissioning that will will happen. I also wanna take a moment and honor my parents, Pastor Wes and Connie, would you guys stand real quick so everybody can see them? They're here. Yeah, you can, they're awesome, thank you. Thank you so much, that's awesome. We got the good, man, everybody's got their exercise in, that's good, one more. Also my in-laws are here, Mike and Abby Durette, would you stand? Love you guys too. So good. Yes. All right. Would anybody else like to stand? Okay. No, we're good. We're good. But it really is a special day and it's a day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. I recognize in every season, everything that we do in life, there are people You just look down the row of your own pew right now, look down, every one of us has something that we're thinking about going through or we're coming through or we're going out of, and we have a king who's in charge of it all, and his name is Jesus. And it's so fascinating, every time you start something in life, whether it's going to school, whether it's getting married, whether it's a new job, a new career, whenever you start something, maybe even writing a book or telling someone you're gonna write a book, if you tell somebody about it, usually what follows is people have advice for you. And it's free. <laughs> and they're very willing to share that advice with you. Have you ex- ex- experienced this? When we got married, Mayela and I, uh, 14 and a half years ago, by the way, um, we got all kinds of advice. And I wrote down, we were actually talking about this on our wedding day. We got all kinds of advice. We had a few things that we wanted to share with you. The first one, um, this was an actual thing that was given to me as I was uh, about to eat my first bite of cake at our wedding. This guy walked up to me and he said, Give her the remote sometimes. I thought that was a very interesting window in his life. <laughs> Another one I thought was great was this was from a lady. When a woman says what, it's not because she didn't hear you. She's giving you a chance to change what you said. <laughs> I can see some guys writing that down really fast. Okay, I got to change what I said. Another one I like is marriage is all about give and take. You give him something to eat, and you take some time for yourself. (laughs) Another thing that happened was when we got, when we were getting married, we did something called pre-marriage counseling. And one of the things that was kind of uh, given to us was a compatibility test. And so Myel and I took this compatibility test and we were so in love, we were looking at each other, and we thought we are the match made in heaven. No one could have, I mean, God just knew everything about our personalities. So we take this test, Pastor Russ is on the other side, and, and I, I gotta be honest with you, we were both shocked that we failed the test. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We failed the compatibility test. And so he said... You know, just so you know, um, these test results aren't everything, but here's a few books you should start reading. (laughs) So we thought, oh, okay, those are nice. So we took all the books and um, like any, you know, early 20-something who knows everything, uh, we decided to put them on the shelf. We got married. We had our honeymoon. And about a month later, we looked at each other and said, we should have read those books. We should have read those books. But isn't it interesting how everybody loves to give and get advice, and not all advice is created equal. But there are moments in life when someone will share either advice or wisdom, and there are times when you really need to pay attention to that. And one of those times is if someone you know or have a relationship with or someone you love is maybe on their way to passing on to heaven, or they're about to die. Why? Because when you only have a little bit of time left, you say what matters to you most. And today, that's where we're gonna start, because Jesus is only moments away from dying, and he just revealed that Judas is the one that's about to betray him, and he pulls his disciples in close, And at this point, he's going to tell his disciples and Portland Christian Center, all of us, what matters to him. Because as we move forward together in Portland Christian Center, we want to live and do the things that matter to Jesus the most. We want to honor our king and serve his vision, his direction, his guidance for our lives so what does Jesus say after all these things? I mean, you're thinking about this. There's a lot of things he could say. What does he say? John 13, If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John 13, don't worry if some of you are scrambling for a Bible. Um, they'll be up on the screen in just a moment. But by the way, one of my favorite things that's so fun is a lot of people now read their Bibles with their iPads or their phones. And when they pull it off, it's like, I can see everyone out here and I see like a holy glow on your face. It's just amazing. I, and I, I know it's not Facebook, it's scripture. So John 13, this is what it says. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And this is where he gives some of the most precious words of wisdom in scripture. He says, a new command I give you. Portland Christian Center, a new command Jesus gives all of us, you ready? Love one another. Out of all the things he could have said, think about it, all the things he could have said, Judas wanted him to overthrow Rome. Other people wanted tax breaks. Everyone has an agenda for your life. Just ask them. But what is God's agenda? That you would actually learn to really love each other. Turn to your neighbor, I'm going to give you a chance to practice. I love you. Now, if you just met them, give them your name. We're not starting a dating ministry right off the bat. There's just something powerful about genuine love from the Holy Spirit. There's just something different in the body of Christ. When Jesus says, love one another... It does not look like the way the world has tried to describe love. Love one another, and here's the qualifier, you ready? As I have loved you. So you must love one another. How did Jesus love? By giving up his life. He's about to do that. He's about to give his life away. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There are a lot of things churches are known for. Some churches are known for amazing facilities. Some of them are known for amazing programs. Some of them are known for amazing people with no hair on their heads. There are lots of things churches are known for. But my prayer, my L and my prayer, is that this church would always be known and will continue to be known by the way that we love one another and our community because it will transform the city of Portland, in Jesus' name. If you're looking for a place to clap, that would be the place to clap. (laughs) We will be known for love. We will be known for love. Jesus wants us to do that. So, if we're gonna be known for love, how do we do that? Well, if you're taking notes, would you write down this the big idea is that we are going to be people that living in love living love is the mark of a true disciple. Living love is and will always be the mark of PCC. Living love is the mark of a true disciple. Now, as I say that living love, it may seem a little awkward especially if you haven't heard this is actually the third message that I preach as I've been here. If you've noticed We spoke, the first three were, the three messages were all faith, hope, and today is love. And one of the things that I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say was that to put the word living in front of each word, that our hope is not dead. Even if the news says Portland is gone, we have hope. We have hope. Why? Because Jesus is alive, our hope's alive. Last week we talked about faith. Faith maybe looks like risk, but to God, just follow His commands and He'll take care of everything. But we have a living faith. Why? Because Jesus is alive. It looks completely different. And the same is true when we talk about love. It's alive because Jesus is alive. A lot of people believe that no, there's a lot of people that actually don't believe God exists. There are people that believe that, God, that maybe God does exist, but you actually can't know Him. But in the Bible, it says that we have a God who is Emmanuel, God with us. So our love will look different because we are living from a place of complete freedom and love from our Heavenly Father. So when you love somebody as a believer, it will look sound and feel different because it's actually not just from you, it's from your heavenly Father. So one of the things that we wanna say, and the big idea is living love is the mark of a true disciple. Living love is the mark of a true disciple. And that's my prayer for all of us. So how can we live love well? Well, the good news is we're not the only ones that have ever asked that question. We're not the first ones to ever ask that question. In fact, Scripture addresses this in very powerful ways. And so what I want to say, number one, living love is, number one, if you're taking notes, is defined by God and His Word. Living love is defined by God and His Word. John four sixteen says... We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. Where do we put our trust in? His love. love. And then this is the definition right here. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Living love. I was walking into a store the other day and I saw, um, I think it's supposed to be a sticker, like a bumper sticker, and it wasn't on a car yet, and it said this, love is love. I honestly stopped and stared at it for a while. It was one of those ones that made so little sense it caught my attention. Love is love. And, and, and you know what was fascinating? It was like God kind of stirred it, stirred it in me for a second, and as I stared at it, it was like he was flashing a sign that said, they are trying to teach you a lie. Do you not see all of the messaging that we are inundated with from a day-by-day, week-by-week basis of a culture who's trying to redefine love? We just read God is love. But you walk into a store and it says, love is love. Am I right? Right. And so we have to constantly, as believers, and this is so important, parents, grandparents, we need to be teaching and reinforcing with our children what love really is. Because in the postmodern turn, they have tried to make everything relative. No absolute truth just relative truth. It's your truth. It's their truth. It's his truth. I don't know whose truth it is. And what ends up happening is love does not become the way that God has intended it to be. When you can redefine anything the way you want it to be, it actually becomes nothing. And so what we have to do as believers is come back to the truth that God is love and he is the creator. We actually believe he is the creator. And as you begin to open your Bible, by the way, statistics are a little scary about Christians not reading their Bible. The last thing I saw was that 68% of people who say they go to church and are Christians don't read their Bible on a regular basis. And I'm going to say this really loudly. Not at Portland Christian Center! Not here! Not here! They may be judged on a curve somewhere else, but not in this house. We are going to be people that love the Word of God, that know His Word. Why? Because you can't love well if you don't know the One who created love. God is love. And since He created it, and that's who He is, He gets to tell us what love actually looks like. So you read passages like 1 Corinthians 13. Now, as I read this, some of you will be like, oh, that reminds me of a wedding. Yes, people love to read these as a the Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not, ooh, wait a second, dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Should I open up the altar call right now? (laughs) All of that list we're looking at like, man, I can't do that on my own. Good news, you're not supposed to. It's the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit working and transforming our hearts and lives because the, the, the most important thing we have to remember is that you and I have the truth in the Word of God available to us and is living and acting and working in us. But the challenge for every single one of us is not to just speak the truth, but how do we say it with love? Because people are going to get in your face and say, I disagree with you. Or they're going to get on social media and say, I disagree with you. I think that what you're saying is not true. And if we're not careful, we are more excited about the truth than loving that person. You see, there's a story in the Bible about a man named Jonah. Come on, we've heard this story. He gets swallowed in a whale or a a giant fish is probably the right way to say it, because that's what the scripture actually says. And why does he get swallowed by a fish? Because God said, go to a city of Nineveh and preach to them and tell them to repent. And do you know that there was 120,000 people in that town? And God loved every single one of them. And he says, Jonah, I want you to go tell them about me. And here's what the Bible actually, I'm going to read a little bit of it to you in a second. Jonah did not like people from Nineveh. He was actually prejudiced. He hated those people. He's actually hoping God kills them. I, I, yes! Cash back! Cash back! Oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, my goodness. No, all offerings stay, no cash back. We know how it goes. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So Jonah is supposed to go to Nineveh and get his cash back, but he didn't. He went to Tarshish. Then he gets on a boat and then God causes this huge storm. And then they're like, this is bad. They draw straws, and guess what? They find out it was him, throw him overboard. Whale swallows him up, spits him up on the shore, and he's like, okay, God, fine. I'll tell them about you. And he's like, but I don't want to. And it's just such a powerful example, because if we're not careful, our truth will trump love. Love. Us being right is what really matters. And you know when that happens is when maybe you're in an argument with your kids or maybe your spouse and you want to be right so bad that you're missing the heart of what that person's saying. Or if you're on the street in Portland and someone does not look at all like you look or sound the way that you sound and they don't even have anything, that, anything in common and you're looking at them and you're wondering if they have any love available for that person. You see, Jonah is a picture of someone who knew the truth but did not know how to love. So he walks into the town, and if you read the scripture, I encourage you to read it, it's probably the most pathetic message an evangelist would ever preach. It's literally, the city's going to burn! Go to God! And the most shocking thing happens. They repent! (laughs) I mean, it's so funny whenever you preach the gospel and it works. Sometimes people are like surprised, like, wow, the gospel still works? Yes. Jesus is still the king. He's still on the throne. He's still working. He's not done. Come on. He's not done. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. So here's what happens He goes, (laughs) this is so funny. He goes outside the city. Everyone's repenting, turning back to God. They're tearing their clothes. And this is what it says, Jonah 4.2. This change of plans greatly upsets Jonah. <laughs> he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. And this is what he says. This is so fascinating. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? Can't you just hear the contempt in his voice? <laughs> Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate, God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now. I mean, look look at this guy. He's so upset, so bitter. Lord, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Isn't that shocking? I agree. (laughs) Completely shocking. He's sent by God to redeem people, and he's upset about it because he wants them to die. And one of the things that we realize, one of the first things that Jesus does in our lives when you encounter his love is he helps us put aside or put things to death that need to die so that we have space for the love of God to fill our hearts so we can love people even when they don't deserve it, even when they didn't earn it, even if they make us mad and they hold up a finger we don't want to see. Jesus still died for them and he loves them. So it's a stewardship of our own heart. So how, how do we do that? We know the truth that love is defined by God and his word, but how do we do that? The second thing living love is, this is how it's produced through the Holy Spirit. It's produced through the Holy Spirit, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Galatians 5, through 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, first fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The Holy Spirit will produce fruit in your life it's our responsibility to be open and receive what he's doing. Now, if you're like me, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just in case you were wondering, as, as your new uh, pastors, um, I have sinned before in my life. We're just gonna get that out of the way real quick. <laughs> in fact, when I was 12 years old, I was exposed to, to pornography And it was not something I sought out for. Someone showed it to me. And at that point in my life, I became addicted to pornography. And for the next about eight years, I was absolutely living in complete torment and suffering in my own spirit and soul because I would want to try and get rid of this sin, but I would struggle with how to do that. I'm sure no one can relate to that. And so I remember going to church because I'm a pastor's kid. You met my parents. They're amazing people. They love me. They prayed. And I want to encourage you here. If you have kids or grandkids that aren't serving God right now or they're struggling with sin, don't give up. That's right. Holy Spirit's working on them just like he's working on your heart. That's right. And so I remember there would be times where I would literally go through an entire worship service Praying and asking God to heal my heart, heal my mind, transform me. And I would just struggle over and over and over. And I found myself being petrified with this gripping fear. And here were the two things I was afraid of. Number one, getting caught. I didn't want to disappoint anybody. And number two, I was afraid of God. I was so afraid that I would be punished for what I had done. And so one day, one of my worst fears showed up. I was caught. My computer, people found what was on it, and I had to look my dad in the eye, and we cried together, and I confessed my sins, and we bawled and bawled and bawled, and he did something for me that has literally shaped and transformed my life from this day forward. He said, Nate, I love you. Tomorrow we're getting up at 5.30 in the morning, and we're gonna read Psalms, and we're gonna pray in the Holy Spirit together. And so I was so broken and crying. You know you know those ugly cries where you got snot. <laughs> it was just so messed up. So next morning, we got up and we read Psalms together and we started speaking in tongues together. And we did that for an entire month and continued. And here's what I want to say to you. First of all, Dad, thank you. I love you. Thank you for doing that. Number two is this. Nothing transformed my mind and life than doing that practice right there because I had to reintroduce my life, the authentic Nate, back to understanding who God was, he's love, because I had believed a lie about God, that I needed to be afraid of him. But what I encountered was so radically different than anything I had imagined. A kid who grew up in church, here's what I discovered. 1 John four eighteen. there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. PCC, that's who we are. We're going to drive out fear. In the city of Portland and beyond, across the street and around the world, we are casting out fear. Why? Because God is love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen cannot love God. Sorry, Jonah. Whom they have not seen, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What's the big idea? Living love is the mark of a true disciple. Why? Because it chases away fear. If you get past the anger and the hate and the bitterness, you know what's really down there? Brokenness and fear. People are hurting. Hurt people hurt people. We know this to be true. If we could get past being right just for a moment and let the love of the power of the Holy Spirit go out. Yes. Lives will be changed. How do I know that? I want to tell you a powerful example because living love, number one, or number three, sorry, it doesn't give up. It doesn't give up. Do you remember what 1 Corinthians 13, 7-9 says? It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Living love does not give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't give up! And I turn to the other neighbor and say, I'm sorry, I forgot you. It doesn't give up on you either. (laughs) It doesn't give up on us. Just this week, there's a story, you can look it up on Facebook, on YouTube, it's all over, of a Satanist who resigned his church July 4th. Did you hear what I said? A Satanist resigned his church in South Africa. His name is Ryan, I don't know if it's Swiglier. He's from South Africa. He is the co-founder of South African Satanic Church. In March, he was doing a radio um, spot. And afterwards, in the interview, he said, I don't believe that Jesus exists. He gets done with the interview, walks out, and a lady on the set intercepts him and gives him a hug. And he said, I've never felt a hug with that kind of love in my life. So he walks away and he says, you know, one of the things you know about people that are in the occult and, sat- and the satanic practices is that they're all hurting and broken and they're bitter. And he said, what I experienced from her was nothing like I have ever experienced in my life. He said, I've only met four Christians that loved me unconditionally. And she was the fourth one. So he goes back home, he gets on his, on his phone. If I could have the worship team come out, that'd be awesome. We're gonna have some music going in just a second. He goes back home and he gets on a WhatsApp. Anybody have the WhatsApp? That's WhatsApp wa- app? I don't know. <laughs> and he finds this lady and he finds out she's a Christian. And he's blown away. A few weeks later, he's doing a satanic ritual where he's supposed to find out what he's supposed to do from Satan, and Jesus shows up! Come on! And he looks at Jesus and he says, how do I know it's you? And then he said, out of nowhere, this amazing force goes right to his chest. And it's the same love that lady had. And he said it was that confirmation that led him to realize Jesus is real, he loves me, and I'm never the same. And he resigned it that day, and now he's walking out his new journey of following Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Come on. We cannot give up on people because God has not given up on us. We cannot give up on people, because God has not given up on us. Living love is the mark of a true disciple. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? I just believe that there are people in this room right now. As we're listening to music and the Holy Spirit's working, I just feel like there's so, the first thing I wanna just pray for, uh, every, there's, everyone's heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just for a moment. If you're struggling with an addiction in your life, like there's a secret sin or something in your life, I'm not going to embarrass you and make you move anywhere. I just want to have you raise your hand. I'm going to pray that God would set you free. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Lots of hands are going up. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Lots of hands. Lots of hands. If you're struggling with some sort of sin or addiction, just so I can see it, thank you. Thank you. There's more hands coming up. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand all over there. Yep, I see it. Addictions. We're gonna, you're going to be set free today. You're going to be set free today. Come on. So Father, right now, I pray for every hand that's lifted high right now. I break off addiction in Jesus' name, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen, amen. If you would open your eyes with me, would you just say this phrase with me, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for setting people free. Thank you for making me free. As we said before, today's a monumental day for this church. And I just believe the best days for Portland Christian Center are right in front of us. And this is just the beginning of people who will be set free. Because God's love is here, amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Would you stand with me and welcome Pastor Bill as he comes? Come on, clap it up for him. He's amazing. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.